I'm Carrie Benedet, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalize you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me I'm an education consultant specializing in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Listeners, our Thriving Matters episode today is with Jean Adams. And you know what? You're going to hear a beautiful Kiwi accent, but she's such a gorgeous girl. And her story and what she does is all about thriving, particularly for women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. But you know, behind every gal and every guy, there is a story about how they've thrived in life and work. And that's what we're talking about the extraordinary things that we do. So how are you, Jean? It's nice to see you. Thanks for having me, Carrie. It's wonderful to be here. I'm fabulous. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I just love New Zealand and most Aussies do. It's one of those countries that puts the world into islands and I think it's just sensational. So I imagine today that you're going to put your world into an amazing picture for us all. And there'll be some listeners who really are curious about what you do, how you're doing it, and they'll jump on and say, I just need to talk to Jean. So let's let's see where we go today with the with the thriving conversation. Because you know, life hasn't been um, a smooth road for any of us in the last couple of years. We've I never thought in my lifetime I was the beneficiary of um, vaccines, of course. Um, but I didn't think I'd ever see a pandemic. You know, I look at my parents and they've they've gone through a number of wars, depression, downturns, upturns, you name it. Um, so it's been quite an experience for um, a whole globe that wasn't young, isn't sorry, isn't old enough to remember or have that life experience. So in the last few years, I think our this notion of thriving or how we're going to deal with our our feelings and emotions um, and the changes that are occurring has been a big has been a big deal so let's talk about what puts a smile on your face in the morning gets you out to do what you want to do and then we'll talk some more (laughs) okay what puts a smile on my face well look to be honest Kerry I think in light of what you've just been talking about I think you know over the last two or three years um, I think one of the things for many of us, is we used to take a lot of the simple things in life for granted. And I I think just when you think how tough it is for many people out there who, and let's be honest, and and look, I'm I'm a very, I'm a realistic optimist, um, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are really struggling at the moment and and they'd love to thrive, but they're not. So So in answer to your question, what puts a smile on my face, I actually think just the joy of actually being able to wake up alive with the roof over my head, with food to eat, with friends, family, living, yes, as you said before, living in a really lovely country. Um, I was watching something with Kate Winslet the other day just on on that. She was being interviewed by um, Stephen Colbert and 
uh, really like his interviews, and she said the one thing she loves about being in New Zealand when she was making Heavenly Creatures was she said, there's nothing here that can bite you or kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, and I think just, look, I, I love getting up every morning and thinking what difference can I make in the world today? Mm. That's my raison d'etre, really. Um, it's, yes, I love being joyful and happy in my own life, but I think it's what, what can I do? Whose life can I make different today? And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Oh, thank, thank you, Jean. Look, I there's a lot of people I, I get to um, interview, have conversations with, and it's a similar thread at the moment. I can do something, uh, provide a small um, ripple, you know, in, in what I do. I'm, I don't want to take over the world, uh, anything like that. Um, but I think together um, we put everything together and we have an attitude of, gratitude exactly what you're saying because I think what came up for me during COVID was we um we got to appreciate the simple things having space to be together being able to meet together being able to work do some type of work being able to to laugh even though things had uh, drastically changed in a lot of cases and um for especially for women in the 50s 60s and 70s I know in Australia the latest statistics are that the biggest growth area of people in poverty are now women in their 50s. Mm. And so when you think about what has happened in the last few years, there's been a whole change to the, the type of relationships we have, the security that we've had job-wise, um, home-wise, family-wise, financial financially-wise. And there's a lot of people who are now saying, I actually have made up my mind. These are my core values and I want to live those better. Um, so I think I think we're on a similar plane here. And I know our listeners will probably be thinking the same, that they've got so many different stories um, of people who are managing to, to be all right and support each other, but others who are needing some professional care. And I think that's the best thing that's actually come to the fore. We've hopefully we have we've gotten a better understanding of our mental processes, our cognitive um, strategies that we use and our emotional strategies. And I think it's really critical, um, particularly yeah, when there's I major think. change that's happening in your life. It's hard to take, isn't it? Well, it's interesting you say that. And uh, look, we're talking about change. I mean, I've, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was in the bank and he was very good at his job. So we moved, and he and my mum emigrated from England, sort of the late 50s. Um, they were pioneers, really, and, and because he was good at his job, in those days when you did your job well, they moved you to another branch. So I spent my childhood moving around New Zealand every two years, um, and, uh, I mean, you've heard me tell the story before, but I've perpetuated that as an adult because, obviously, change <laughs> changes my comfort zone. So, you know, I've, I've, adapt, I've continued to move every few years as an adult as well and change careers as well. So one of, and this is one of the things I actually love bringing to the mentoring sessions I work with um, women in, is that my ability to, I can adapt to change in about three days, and that's massive change. Like I picked up my life at the end of 2019, in October 2019, on the 22nd to be precise, I moved to Melbourne, at the, you know, my early 60s, and, and set up house there in two months, and we had bushfires and then COVID. Now, I mean, you know, 
somebody half that age would go, oh my goodness, <laughs> this yes. is crazy. But I think the ability to be resilient um, and see ways we can work around difficult situations is something, yes, you're right. I think we're all learning to do that more since um, the pandemic hit. But then, like you were saying at the beginning, you and I come from a, a generation, like my parents were evacuated during the war in England. Yeah. You know, they lived through, at, at 10 years old, my dad was had to leave London and go and live in the countryside um, with these people who really didn't want to take kids in, but they did anyway, and it was horrible. And so they, they developed a resilience at 10 years of age that... Yeah we don't even begin to understand. They lost their childhood. And so I think when you grow up in that environment, you know, they live with rationing till the early 60s. I mean, people, younger generations just don't know about this. And so they learned to thrive with very little. Um, and they yeah. learned to, you know, a making do was the catchphrase yeah. really, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but the thing is, when you grow up in that environment, when we come to the point where we are now, um, I think the biggest gift anybody can give themselves if they want to thrive is to stop making it so hard and just think, what have I got that I can be grateful for? How can I adapt my life to the situation I'm in? And what can I let go of that isn't really important? You know, and I think that's, you know, thriving. To, you know, when Ariana Huffington wrote her book Thrive mm. in, what, 2016, 15, 2016, yeah. the world was a very different place and she was talking about people needing to sleep and not work so hard in the corporate world. Thriving is completely different now. Anything that's been written pre-2019, 2020 has relevance, but not, you know, it's just a different ballgame now, isn't it? That's Well, it is, and it shows our um, quite amazing adaptability skills. Um mm. And really, that, that's what I learned during COVID. Um, I just left an organisation to work for myself. Um, and all of a sudden, all the work that I had lined up just got totally pulled. And I felt like, whoa, so that notion of quicksand is is something that sort of comes to life, doesn't it? And then I thought, you know what? You've got, you've got, you can still build. Technology is going to be your, your friend. So just get on and do your stuff, get around the world and talk and find out how people are, number one. Talk about what things give them joy in their day-to-day -day work, what interesting things they're doing or how they've actually had to adapt, what they've done to change. And I went around the world every week. It was just amazing and I've met the most. And so that's how I bumped into Eugene because that's part of the deal, you know. Um, I have fondness for, for New Zealand and I've, I've been over there and taken groups with us with me but it is it is a stunning place and there's nothing like appreciating the nature and the environment that we live in whether it be a rainy day a windy day whether it's you know the magnificence of bushfires is is incredible to live through this to see how then people rally up at, for each other for community afterwards it's totally destructive of the of the of the bush but what happens after it is the regeneration. And I think it's quite a lovely metaphor that we, we can use. Um, yes, there's terror and change and uh, people are destitute. Things have disappeared. Your whole life before you has disappeared. But there is a chance to 
to take small steps to rebuild. And I think in the work that you do, so let's talk about a little bit more about Jean Adams and your business and empowerment um, focus that you have for, for women, 50s, 60s and 70s. So tell us a bit more about that and how you came to do it. Why is this your special place? Well, interesting question, Carrie. I, when people ask why, you know, what, I, what I've done to bring you to this point, it's kind of like how long have you got, really? Because it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's with any life, the older you get, the longer the journey, the bigger the story. Um, but I mean, I, look, I've always wanted, I, I guess, again, you know, you, to a certain extent, I think the values you and I were lucky enough to have, and I know a lot of people don't have this, um, but to grow up in a, you know, my parents were de devout Christians, and so I grew up, grew up in a household where, you know, strong Presbyterian work ethic and everything, but we did things for other people. And so I, it's always been a part of my DNA to mm. want to give to other people, to help other people. And, you know, my first career was teaching, primary teaching, so of course I love making a difference in the kids' lives. Um, and then when I moved away from that into the corporate world, I did lots of different things that... Put me in positions where I was either a leadership role or organisational role that made a difference, a positive difference in an organisation. But to me, the interaction and helping people um, in the corporate places I worked, you know, getting to know the the um, support staff and helping them with their difficulties. So I guess that I naturally did the empowerment, mentoring, coaching a long time before I even thought, um, mm. you know, this is something I could do. Um, and it was only when I actually stopped, I, I got RSI really badly in my hands um, when I was working in a corporate job. I was working too hard, obviously. Um, yeah. But so I basically couldn't use my hands much for four years. And that, and I was very grateful to work for an organisation that supported me through that. Um, and at the time we had um, government, support as well for that um so I was really lucky in that um I had the opportunity to step into the personal development sphere and that's what mm. I read Anthony Robbins Awaken the Giant Within yeah. and I remember reading and about his first chapter when it talks about you know he says your mind's like a laser beam it can cut through anything and you can light a whole city with it and I thought wow this is a novel concept and so that started me on how can I make a positive difference? So I kept using that through my corporate career. And then when I got to the point where I'd been running a boarding school and sort of <laughs> living and breathing it for three years and thought, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And I met a woman who was a coach and she she was in Melbourne. I, I traveled to Melbourne and met her and chatted with her. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a great thing to do. So that's how, that's what I did. I moved into stepping out of corporate and setting up my own business <clears throat> and really just working with people as a life coach. Um, yeah. And it's only in the last few years that I've moved into, we, I naturally attract women who are in their 50s and beyond. Um, because I think also, especially with the last three years, our ability, like you say, there's a lot of women in their 50s plus who are really struggling, who's, you know, they've suddenly come out of relationships or kids have left home and they, they don't know who they are anymore and they have to redefine themselves. 
So, you know, I just I just love, like I'm a business mentor because I love working with women who have their own business or working with women who are in corporate who want to get out of corporate and set up their own business. But my passion is working with those women who go, I'm not sure if I can do this and helping them see, yeah. have the clarity to see how amazing they are. And I mean, my tagline is helping women in their 50s, 60s and 70s step into their magnificence to shine. And that sums it up for me, really, Carrie, because <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of, we've got so much power and potential and we don't realise that. And I think when we get to our 50s and 60s, particularly and older than that, um, there's a speed wobble where you redefine who you are and you think, do I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm a different person now. How do I reinvent my life? How do I, if I'm running a business and a lot of women who've run businesses for a while are going, I don't want to do this anymore, especially after COVID. So what do yeah. I do now? Yeah. Um, so it's all about, you know, helping them oh. gain the clarity and be courageous and, and confidently push past their fears and limiting beliefs, self-belief, so they can actually step into their magnificence and create a business and a life that, you know, makes them want to leap out of bed every morning. That's, you know, <clears throat> that's, well, I, I can only imagine that they love working with you, Jean, because you can hear about this. Um, you can hear about the magnificence to shine just coming out of even in the way that you you speak, your tone, um, that your facial expressions, because this is you can't see Jean's face, but she totally lights up when she talks about the work that she's doing. And I just love that. I mean, you know, your comfort zone we get so comfortable that we actually get onto an auto, what I call an auto automatic response. We don't realise, we get onto autopilot, we don't realise what we're doing until we actually can look at well, why is that habit so encompassing and why does it perhaps stop me from doing things or hinders me from actually trying something a little bit different or tossing it out and starting a new yeah. life. And that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? Because you know, resilience was um, has really come to the fore. And so has this notion of what we call mental health. And I think at the moment, I don't think we're quite explaining what we mean when we say, oh, people's mental health, you know, their well-being or their, or their mental health, which really comes into the mix in the work you do and the work I do. Um, because a lot of us have normal reactions to change. And we understand that when we when I talk mental health, I actually mean people who have a particular um, diagnosis, have a particular way, whether it's that they are have an anxiety around certain things, whether they actually have low mood, moving into depression and a whole lot of other things that are associated with that. And for me, I'm not an expert in those areas. I'm, you know, I, I've got a, you know, this notion of well, thriving is not easy. So let's talk about what it might look like for you. What is it you do? And where can you make the small changes, the deliberately small changes, and not be alone in doing it? And I think that's the, the beauty of what you're talking about as well, not being alone. Yes, well, I yeah, and I agree, Carrie. And I think one of the things I love, I mean, I've, I've always run my business online. You know, in the old days when I first started, I used to, <clears throat> I was living in Auckland at the time, and I used to um, do phone so I'd, I'd drive my car somewhere, a beautiful view over Auckland Harbour and sit there and have an hour session on a phone with a client. And um, many of my clients are in Australia because when I set up in 2010, um, the whole small business world was on Facebook, right? 
So, and, and Kiwis are still going, I'm not sure if this is safe, is somebody going to take my identity? Um, and bless them. And, and, and Australian, and I was working with women then, and they, they were a lot more um, proactive about investing in themselves to yeah. improve things. Um, whereas I think, you know, Kiwi, Kiwis are wonderful, but we've got that kind of English reserve where it's like, show me it's working first before I'll do it. <laughs> and that's why I love working with Aussies because, you know, and I've got, as you know, I've got a love affair going on with Melbourne and Australia and Aussies. Um, and I think I love the Australian confidence. You know, there's a lot of, um, it's just like, okay, it, it's, I think that's the difference between Aussies and New Zealanders. Um, as Aussies go, I'll do this, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, whereas in New Zealand we reverse it. I think that's the best way to sum it up. But I think um, we, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because we are having to reinvent ourselves and redefine it, who we are, every step of the way. Mm. and the mental health impact of that at any age, especially when you don't have a reference point for, again, I go back to our parents who we had seen grow up and adapt to changes throughout their lives and mm. often, you know, world wars and, um, and, you know, our grandparents lived through depression and things like that. I think when you've got a reference point of how you make life work and how you thrive in that, it's easy. But I think for a lot of people, and not just younger people, there's a lot of people who don't have that family history to draw on. That's so right. It's like you're having to rewrite how your life works. And when you've lived half your life already if you get to 50 and think you're going to live to 100 um you know it's kind of it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do because it makes you question everything you've done before and yes. and look at it and go how do I how do I reframe this it's a bit like I mean I love flying and I I, I liken what we're doing at the moment I mean I'm passionate about flying I'm a plane spotter as well yeah no, I'm weird um <laughs> Um, but I think I liken what we're the way we're living at the moment to we're each flying our own tiger moth effectively. And if you look at a tiger moth, um, we've got classic flyers that fly over here sometimes, and they trundle along and they drone and they make a lot of noise, and they're just they're beautiful planes. But but the aerodynamics for keeping one of them in the air, especially if the wind's buffeting you, isn't easy. And you have to focus and readjust and look at your map and. And I think our lives are like that at the moment. Oh. It's kind of like, how do I pilot this plane I've got? And I think sometimes that we're trying to fly it like a 737 when it's actually a tiger moth. Yeah. We just need to slow down, land the plane, regroup, look at what direction we want to go in and, and look at the next step. I think that's the big thing for a lot of people. Oh. A lot of people used to be able to plan 10 years in advance and I think the pandemic has made us bring that focus in and question how am I going to live the next six months to six to 12 months of my life really oh. um, I, and, and, I, sorry Jen I'm going to say I absolutely love that 
that um, fly around tiger moth. And that is brilliant. That, you, that is so cool um, because uh, they've just, um, yeah, Qantas only yesterday here in Australia, they um, retired the 747. And yes, I saw that. Yeah. There's been a whole lot of chat about that. And the I think planes have been the most amazing invention for what they've been enabled us to do, you know, over the years. Yeah. But I, what I really like, have you seen, um, this, listeners, this is, a, this is a detour. You ready for it? Yeah, I bet you've all seen um, Night at the Museum 1 and 2. They're older movies now, great for the kids. Have you seen those? I've um, seen the first one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a two, which is, is fantastic. But, yeah, Isla, um, yeah, she pretends to, she's, um, oh, uh, what's the famous um, woman um, pilot? Amelia Earhart. Yep, she's, she's Amelia. And he meets her and, of course, she talks, she's got this jargon that she talks and it's words like flippity-gibbet and all that. It's nonsense jargon. <laughs> but she flies, she's just, a, and you just gave me the visual of that in the movie when you were talking about slowing down, landing the plane, regrouping, setting a new direction and then deciding what your next step is. I love it. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that in your mentoring um, relationships, because that's what you're talking about here. Relationships with with your with the people that are who are um, all around the world uh, for your business. That when you're mentoring them, that this notion of tiger moss comes through. Am I wrong? I'm hoping you're right. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, and it's so true, isn't it? And that's set for six to nine months. That that, that notion of deciding on your next step and working on the next steps, building on each other. Yeah, I, I'm a great believer in, in looking at, at the moment, I think some people, and go back to, and again, working with women in their 50s, 60s and 70s, I think, if you, yes, it's good to look at the next 12 months and have a clarity about what you might like to do. But because life is so uncertain for some of and some of these women are facing big challenges personally as well as professionally. It's I think it's really important to focus on the next 90 days and then chunk that down to a month at a time and then a week at a time. So when I work with women, we and often we segue into life coaching because they yeah. might be coming along in their business, but Life is messy and it's getting in the way of them actually functioning in their business. So we'll segue into let's stop and look at what you need to clear. And it might be just a massive clutter of your house. So things are more ordered because I'm a great believer in order. Ah. Um, grew up in an ordered household. Um, and, and yeah, ironically, this weekend, I've just done that in my house. The full moon this weekend, I think it's something to do with it. Um, <laughs> But I think, but yeah, but it's kind of, I, I think one of the challenges for a lot of people at the moment is it's easy to become overwhelmed after coming out of the last three years. And the women I work with who are in corporate who are wanting, you know, they might be in their mid 50s or early 60s and they know that they've got to do something about moving sideways yeah. and creating a business of their own because. Um, they're either going to be retired or made redundant or, um, and, yeah. you know, yeah. recession is the big word for this year. And I don't know, I think everybody's focusing on that too much, but 
being practical, I think it's really important to, to do things in small chunks. Mm. So it's, and I never used to be a great believer in the, you know, the smart goals because I used to think that was limiting us too much. But I think now it's really important to just take on small things, small tasks mm. at a time. Mm. Do one thing, then do another thing. It's kind of, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the few steps. So what's the next best thing to do? And I, I'm a great believer in making, through empowering women to do things that work for them, that make them feel good about themselves. And then they can take a bigger step up. It's like the staircase is getting, the steps are getting bigger yeah, yeah. as they step up the staircase. Um, because a lot of people are trying to do too much at the moment. And there's a massive amount of burnout. And you go back to the mental health. And it's because, People just need to stop mm. and go, you know, what's the next best thing to do? What's really important today and tomorrow and the next day? Yeah. Well, Jen, um, I'm just going to go into what happened for me last year. I, I ended up, and a number of people know, I ended up with um, my right foot with a double fracture and it was in um, a, you know, a boot for about 10 weeks. So that totally slowed me down. Like my family's laughing going, so, Mum, you're... Uh, <clears throat> A little bit slower than usual, are you? So, so, so your foot's it's finally caught up with you. You need to slow down. So I decided to take the time to think about what it was I needed to subtract. So subtract sort of became a word I was using at the end of last year. You know, we often at the beginning of the year, we say to people, what's your word of the year? Have you got anything? Instead of a maybe an intention, what's the sort of, what's the word that you're going to be using? And so... We, uh, we piloted a, a, a retreat, uh, an abundance retreat uh, at the end of last year. And one of the girls who came to help us with the piloting, at the beginning of the year, she said, Carrie, I'm subtracting. She said, that word has stuck in my head from last year. And I went, go girl, because she's in education and all she's doing is clearing 900 emails. Can't keep up with it, but she's in a leadership position. And of course, she's, they're trying to find teachers because there's a massive teacher. So this is just one industry um, that has uh, ho hospitals, nursing, um, med anything around medical is experiencing something similar. But education, um, of which we're all in in some, um, in some form, um, is experiencing the same. And so when, you, when you're looking at the industry, you're bringing it down, it comes down to people and it comes down to the relationship they have with themselves and with others, and particularly if you're in leadership roles or you've been used to doing those, it's very hard when um, there's a big change to um, when there's a big change to your your um, status, your sense of autonomy, your sense of certainty, your sense of relationship, and your sense of fairness. And um, I think that's what we're all living through at the moment and learning how to manage. So, you know. It's, it's an interesting time. We all learn from each other, which is why we have these conversations. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's great. And I think one of the things you talked about just in, in what you were saying there, Carrie, is you talk about people's um, status. And when you're in a corporate role, no matter who you are, if you're having to move sideways or do something different, um, but obviously, you know, the women I work with are going through, it's a, through this a lot. It's a whole 
redefining of your identity. And I mean, I remember I went through that when I, you know, I was in my early 40s when I got this, I couldn't work. Um, and I remember I, I had about eight months off work initially. And I remember somebody said to me, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm not working at the moment. Now, I, I've never had children. So I imagine it's like this when you have kids and, and you say, I'm not working at the moment. You, I could see the shutters go down. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're not yeah. interesting to talk to me anymore. And I thought, well, wow. Um, <laughs> but, but that was, but, but it's, it's, and I, I'm blessed with the ability to kind of tap into people's responses to things as well, which is a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. Um, but I think that's the thing. So it's not only when you get to your 50s and beyond, you're having to find a new way to live so you can thrive, but it is this rewriting of your identity as well. And it's like, you know, and if you've been in a, a corporate, you know, C-suite role, as you call them in Australia, um, you know, we call them executive roles here, then you a lot of who you are comes from that I'm a CEO or I'm a CFO or whatever and people respond to you mm. because of that mm. tagline basically mm. I think this is where the younger generations are great because they go I don't care who you are or what you do show me what you do show me who you are yeah. and I think you know a lot of them have got behind and they're much more confident about saying who they are um, personally gender-wise identity-wise and everything because well, well they have the courage to step into that more, but because we come from a very traditional way of living, That's especially right. when you get to, into your late 50s and 60s and beyond, um, you're basically challenging the status quo when you're doing something different because, you know, we've, um, there's a lot of us who don't want to stop at 65 and retire. No. I mean, my dad never did. He, would, did, <laughs> he retired from the bank at 60 and probably did more in organisations and the next 26 years of his life than he did when he was working yeah. and I just can't I'm a bit of a Ida Butchrose and Jane Fonda or Jane Fonda I think I mean I can see myself in my 80s as well being in a leadership role where I'm inspire, still inspiring and empowering women I, I, so, so. I hope so I hope so I don't see why um, we actually have to have a cutoff date I just yeah. think yeah but you know what you made me Think about uh, with you know the the time you were off when you had your your problem with your hands. In a way, it was a forced sabbatical, and we often here in education, there's always you know you have your long service leave. This happens around the world. You know, oh, I'm having a sabbatical. My brother recently wrote a book during a few months off. He took, and I'm thinking, my boot experience last year, that was like a sabbatical to, to really go. What is it that you're going to let go of here? What is it you're going to focus on? How are you going to do it? And, uh, you know, this is just, it's just one of those hiccups in the road. So you make, you've got a choice, girl, on how you look at it. You're going to be bemoan me. And I did moan a little bit, I'm pretty sure. And then I just went, oh, for God's sake, I'm sick of that. So get over it. And I want to come back to what you call yourself a realistic optimist. Mm -hmm. um, and I And I thought, I have a girlfriend who says to me, Oh my God, you, you're just so optimistic about things. She said, I really consider myself a realist. And I went, Well, there's plenty of people that are pessimists in my book that I said, I'm making a choice. You know, someone said, Well, how, how could you think of that that way? And I went, Well, we've got a choice on how we think. Do you want to be above the line, below the line? You know, some days you've got to be on it. But tell me some of the things 
as a realistic optimist, you've described, you know, how you clear out things, how you move, you have a, you know, you move, travel, move, uh, have bag will move, I suppose, um, what you do there, your your interest in, in um, basically a service uh, value that you have, a very strong core value. What else is a lay down is there for you? You don't miss out doing. I know you're a reader. Yeah, I'm a voracious reader. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think when I was in lockdown in Melbourne for that first year, I think my, I, got, I joined Kindle Unlimited and you get as many books as you can for like $50 a month. And I must have read a book a day. I was just like in there. Um, and I was working at the same time. But yeah, I'm a voracious reader. And I love that. And I think uh, I couldn't imagine a world without books. Um, yeah. And we can learn so much from the great writers, both men and women. Um, so I think, but, mm. yeah, being... Tapping into literature and the, I mean, the arts and literature, and that's one of the things I loved about living in Melbourne, you've just got a wealth of, well, you know, all, all cities do. I'm not saying that Sydney doesn't either, but, um, and Auckland does, but, you know, just something about Melbourne's a very cosmopolitan city. It's, you know, even the light is different. It's like you're in a European country. Um, and I, I, for me, dipping into the arts, yeah. Um, you know, I love music. I mean, I I grew up playing the piano, singing in choirs. I sang in the sound of music with a nun in the sound of music. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love musical theatre. Hugh Jackman, I'd love to meet one day. I, oh, I saw him in his first professional performance in 1986. He was at the, the in Melbourne, not the Regents, the Princess, I think it was. And he was in Beauty and the Beast and he was Gaston, you know, the Yes, yes. And he I mean, you know, he wasn't Wolverine build then, but he was still and he's just got the most amazing singing voice. And I thought I'd love to meet you because he's so down to earth and I love what he and Deb do. You know, you know, people like that, they make a positive difference in the world. Yeah. They use their fame for good. Yeah. Um, but I love classical music and opera and jazz and ballet and those are the things that make me hum so when I was in lockdown, I just, you know, went online. There's so much online that you can watch. Um, and I love movies as well. So when back in the day when we had Trivial Pursuit, because that's what you did as a family, you played Trivial Pursuit, <laughs> pink, pink entertainment section, I knew all the answers to, you know, my, my mum was a great 1950s, you know, there was an MGM channel on Sky and they used to have all the old movies, like Gone with the Wind and, you know, and... Uh, and there's that movie, The Holiday, where Kate Winslet goes to America and she meets the guy who used to be a screenwriter, scriptwriter, and he introduces her to all these incredibly strong women, like the Catherine Hepburn yeah. um, woman, who played these incredibly strong female roles. And, and I love watching movies like that because... I love it. That's one of my favourite movies. Yeah. One of my favourites yeah. because I, I, I often pick, like most things, if we you re-watch some of them, you actually pick up on things that you haven't noticed before because yeah. Um, yeah, that, that notion of being so familiar that you know what's coming next, but then you go, oh, I've never really yeah. realised that that's, that's it. And I think that's what life is like at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. We can look through the same lens, but what is it we're seeing? And we've got a choice about how we see it. Um, that's right. The realistic optimism, I, I just, I love. You know, Jean, 
I don't know about you, but I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And I was going to say to you, if there was one thing that we haven't talked about today, what should, what would, would what would that be? Let's do that. Is there something that we haven't really said or haven't shared? Is there something you'd like to, to put forward? Well, Kerry, yeah, it's been a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed this. We could go on for hours, couldn't we? Um, <laughs> but I... One of the women I really admire, um, what admired, um, was Maya Angelou. Uh -huh. And I, have, I don't know if you've read any of her books. Yes. Um, and a fascinating life. And she overcame a lot of adversity. Um, and I loved her outlook on life. I love, I often requote her quotes. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that long before it was the in thing to embrace people's differences, mm. she was embracing diversity, gender identity, all those sort of, all, all, and obviously she was, you know, race was a big thing for her. Yeah. And so she overcame that. But she did it in such a way that was respectful to other people. And I think one of the things that's really important for us, uh, no matter what age we are, is to step into the world with respect and compassion for other people's differences yeah. of race, culture, gender, identity, whatever. And, and I think it's really important for those of us who are on the other side of 50 mm. to bring that to the table in meetings we have because I, I see a lot of angry people out there who are not acting with respect and compassion. Um, that's how wars start. And I believe that the conversation that's important for us to have is how can we make this world a better place by walking alongside each other even if we don't understand how the other person looks, it doesn't matter. And you don't have to be best friends, but it's like, I'm going to walk beside you and let you live your life in a way that helps you to thrive. Mm. And I'll live my life in a way that helps me to thrive and create a ripple effect so that we make the world a better place. Oh, look, thank you so much. Um, May is... Um you know, that very well-known quote, everyone, you know, it's it's how you make people feel that um, that makes the difference. I totally resonate with that because when we're under stress and when we've had a major change to our circumstance, we can often blame not just ourselves for, our, for the way we're thinking, but we can blame others um, and it gets can become vitriolic. It be, can become all-consuming it can actually become quite toxic. Um, and one of the things I think that happens when you are aging beautifully like we are, um, and that, that, you know, I'm gonna give, give away that notion of how old you are, it's just how, how, how wise we are now. I think we can look back and go, well, it's, I need to have the, the skills and the time to reflect on, um, is what I'm saying and how I'm acting actually backing up the values that I hold dear? And when you've got major change happening, that's the first thing that we think about. 
look what's happened to me, look what's happened, I didn't think this was going to happen. And all of us have got stories like that. Whether we let them become who we are or we use them to reflect on and go, it's okay, I can choose to, to look at this differently and act differently, I think that's the gem. So so thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things, again, going back to Maya Carey, I... I'm all about women being courageous because I think if we live courageously and honour who we are in the most authentic way we can, and it's moving, you know, it's moving all the time, then I think we we can thrive. And, and I mean, Maya's quote, courage is the most important of all that virtues because without courage, you cannot practice any of the other, other virtues consistently. Mm. I think it's so true. Um, and if if we... And everything we do, if we can inspire and empower other people around us to be courageous and be true to who they are, then I think we've actually, you can say, as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said at the end of every day when he wrote in his diary in prison in Serbia, today has been a good day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what a beautiful uh, strategy for all of us. Some of us are good writers, other, is, uh, other of us aren't. But just to be able to think about what it is I'm grateful for today, what it is that I well, I did well, what could I probably do better tomorrow, um, I think is is a lovely way of looking at just that that whole notion. Yeah. Oh Jean, thank you so much. We're gonna we're going to have to have another conversation, I'm sure. And listeners, if you would really like to know more about Jean, the best place to find her is jeanadams.com um, dot au that's right and so you'll find a lovely website there that courage to change and being courageous in times of change are two of her recent posts you can find Jean on LinkedIn as well um, but she has her blog she's got the mentoring program even better still you can get a discovery call with her and I would firmly recommend that if you're if you're looking to subtract and grow and just go, you've got it, girl. You know, high five yourself and back yourself um, with some support. I think that's what we, we're talking about here. Well, then let Jean help you because she's masterful. So, Jean, last last thought for the day, last comment, anything you'd like just to, uh, to end up. Because, you know, thriving isn't easy, but we're all precious. And our thriving matters in life and work. And you're a great example of not only how you do that, but how you work with work with others. So if you've got Thank a lot, that's all right. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Kerry. Thank you. Look, this has been a wonderful opportunity. And I hope that the, the men and the women and men who are listening, um, as Susie Orman says, the women who are uh, taking the action and the men brave enough to listen. And I think that I really like that. Um, <laughs> that they're inspired to step out of their comfort zone and into their power and magnificence and live a life that makes them happy. Um, and I, one of my favourite quotes, and I think this is so important no matter what's happening in the world, is from the amazing Helen Keller, who when you look oh. at her life, and if anyone's listening and doesn't know the story of Helen Keller um, and the struggle she overcame to live a very rich and full life, it's definitely worth reading. And not the Wikipedia version. <laughs> yes. um, 
but she said life is either a daring adventure or nothing and mm -hmm. she overcame huge challenges but she still said that I think if we take that into every day and even put that on our wall somewhere because it makes us want to aim high and reach for the stars and I believe that um, all of us have got incredible potential in us and we often get flattened by life and it's just important to reach for the stars um, and as the saying goes you might land on the moon but you've still got higher than you are now. <laughs> That's true well we are truly magnificent and so are you listeners all podcast um, hosts like a little bit of love. So if you really enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to pop onto your favourite um, podcast platform. This is loaded onto Podbean. We're on Spotify, Apple, you name it. You can find Thriving Matters podcasts anywhere. Give us a little bit of love. Flick it on to um, your friends or someone in your family. Don't forget to subscribe, though, because you're going to hear a great year of podcast guests such as Jean Adams and uh, you don't want to miss those out. So give us a little bit of love. Till next time, you take care of your good selves, your precious and your thriving matters. Thanks, Jean. Thanks, Carrie. I'm Carrie Benedett and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. <laughs>